Well, thank you to our praise team. Thanks to our choir, and then thank all of you for thank all of you for taking part in worship. I pray the Lord was honored and glorified this morning. I tell you, it blessed my heart, and I pray that uh, God is smiling on this service this morning. If you brought your Bibles. Please turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 14 through 22 as I share with you the characteristics of a lukewarm church. The characteristics of a lukewarm church. And so this morning, if you're physically able, I ask if you would to please stand in reverence for the reading of the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God, as we look at Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. God's Word says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eyesight, that you may see. As many as I love, in verse 19, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to open your word, to share your word this morning. I pray that you would give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. I pray for the hearts of the people that will hear your word. I pray, Lord, the devil won't hinder the word going to the heart. It won't be snatched away by the devil, but it will take seed in the heart. And I pray, oh God, this morning that those who have never trusted Jesus Christ would come to a saved knowledge of him. Perhaps some have trusted in other things for salvation. But Lord, today, open their hearts to see that you're the only way that a person can go to heaven, inherit eternal life, speak to their hearts. I pray for the Christian. I pray for the, the uh, lukewarm Christian, perhaps, that is here this morning or viewing this service. By other means, I pray for them that you'll speak to their heart that we would truly do what you've asked us to do, and that is to repent, to turn from our wicked way, to turn to you, ask you to forgive us, and Lord, claim the promise that you'll heal our land, and that's needed so much today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. 
the characteristics of a lukewarm church. So John the Revelator has already introduced us to these seven churches. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, go back and read Acts chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 22. Read that entire chapter. Go back and read Revelation chapter 1, uh, verse 11. When you have an opportunity, kindly read from chapter 1 up to chapter 3. But these churches are symbolized by seven golden lampstands. In chapter 1, verse 12 and verse 20. Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, is moving actively in the churches as our heavenly high priest. And his love, his concern for the churches has already been demonstrated on the cross. And now he sends a message to the churches who who are under John's influence, to these seven churches. And so the point before the apocalypse presents a message of judgment on the unbelieving world he first must call the churches to repentance. And these are the seven churches that, we, that uh, he's addressing. So remember, judgment first has to begin at the house of God. Now these seven churches are seven literal churches that exist or existed in Asia Minor. The first is Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was the largest city in the area, presumably the largest church, thus the mother of all the other churches. And so you had the church of Ephesus. And all seven were connected to the Roman highway. They were kind of arranged in a circular pattern. So you go from Ephesus, you go to Smyrna, you go to Pagamus, you go to Thyatira, you go to Sardis, to Philadelphia. The last church to make your circle is Laodicea. And so as Christ walks through these seven churches, he commends all those churches but two, and he doesn't commend them. That's Sardis and Laodicea. And then he condemns all the churches but two, and that would be Smyrna and Philadelphia. And so this morning, God has a message for us and how we can see the characteristics of a lukewarm church. We don't want to be a lukewarm church. We don't want to be a part of a lukewarm church. And so for a little history, this church, this church, this city, the church in the city, the church of Laodicea, the church, the city, Laodicea, was founded in 250 B.C. by Antiochus, by Antiochus II. And he named this city that he founded after his wife, Laodicea. I like Judy better than Laodicea, but uh, he named, his wife was named Laodicea. And so he named the city Laodicea. And so for all practical purposes, the city was named after his wife, Laodicea. So the city Laodicea was known for its medicinal mineral springs had these mineral springs there, and people would come to Laodicea to, to, to set in the water because uh, to help perhaps arthritis or some other uh, disease, they felt that it would help or to, to relieve some pain, so they would go to Laodicea for these medicinal springs. So this was the background by which the Lord uh, described this church. 
Now, if you know anything about mineral water, mineral springs, if it's cold, 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 you can drink it without any problems. But if it's kindly lukewarm, uh, it's very nauseating. It's very, it tastes terrible. It's, it's sickening when you try to drink it. And so now this church at Laodicea, uh, scholars believe, represents the last period of the church age, of, uh, of, of church history, meaning that Laodicea church represents the last church before Christ comes at his second coming. Now that's good to know. You say, well, Brother Sammy, what's it like? What, what's, it, what's that church like? Well, the last church, it's the last church. Think of it this way. It's the last church in this prophetic church age. Uh, and this church, the last church before Christ comes back for his second coming, this church makes Christ sick. It makes him throwing up sick. It makes God throwing up sick. Look, if you will, at verse 15. I know your works, that you're neither hot, or you're cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So he's using this spring as an illustration to how they were spiritually. And he says, I wish you were cold, but you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And so this Laodicean church is lukewarm. Now, if you're taking notes, it's lukewarm in, um, lukewarm in doctrine. It's indifferent in doctrine. It's indifferent in the truth of God. Now, I've been told numerous times, you know, one church, Brother Samuel, is just as good as another church. Really. One, one doctrine is just as good as another doctrine, or one theology is just as good as another theology, or what difference does it make? We're all trying to go to the same place just by different ways. Jesus said there's not but one way. And that's John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Now, I love all, I love all people, and I love all believers, but I can't sacrifice doctrine and truth for fellowship. Now let me say that again. I love all churches. I love all believers. I love all people. But there's no way that I can sacrifice what I believe is doctrine, what I believe is truth, for fellowship. I can't do that. So this Laodicean church was lukewarm, it was indifferent in doctrine and in truth. But that's not all. Secondly, this Laodicean church was lukewarm in their commitment. In their commitment. Now when uh, Judy and I went to a Japanese restaurant, now y'all can imagine that, and they handed me the menu, this was last week, and I ordered half and half tea, split tea. And the lady came back and she said, uh, well, what could I help you with? Brought the tea, and I said, ma'am, that tea was the only thing I knew on that menu was that tea. And so she helped me with the menu, but I got half and half tea, half sweet, half unsweet. Coffee sometimes, I drank half calf, half decaffeinated, other half caffeinated. This Laodicean church 
a member of that church who has a half-and-half theology, one part God, the other part world, makes God sick, makes him sick. They half-worship God, and then they half-worship money. They half-worship God, then they half-worship the world. Then they half-worship God, they bow down to Baal, a false god, then they bow down to Jehovah God, and they mix it all up, mix it all up. That makes God sick. I can't tell you how many times that I can see people on the street, and I cannot tell the order, an, a Christian from a non-Christian. Listen, if you will, from John, 1 John 2. 1 John 2, verse um, 15 and 17. 15 through 17. Listen to what we're told. Do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, now listen, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away. It's passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So you're going to give yourself, your life, to something that is passing away, or you're going to give your life to the one that gives you eternal life that you can live forever. It's your choice. But some try to have it both ways. That makes God sick, enough to vomit you out of his mouth. And so perhaps some of you need to decide today who the one true God is. Is it the world? you want to serve the world or do you want to serve God? You can't mix them together. You won't have that. So this Laodicean church, lukewarm, indifferent in its doctrine, its truth, indifferent in its commitment. This Laodicean church, there's no line of demarcation whatsoever between the person that followed God and the person who follows the world. But God says there is. You can't have it both ways. So you've got to make up your mind who you're going to follow, who you're going to commit yourself to. But number three, real quick. In this Laodicean church, there's indifference and there's lukewarmness to enthusiasm. To enthusiasm. They're lukewarm in their zeal. They're lukewarm in their enthusiasm. They're lukewarm in their energy. When was the last time you just got caught up in yourself and you said, Amen, or praise the Lord? I had stand up on that after that choir sang a few minutes ago. I didn't look around. I don't know if people were standing behind me, but I had stand up. Man, that's good singing. That's good truth they were singing about. When was the last time you said amen? When was the last time you praised, praised the Lord or, or shouted? I remember years ago, Miss Navi Fowler shouted one Sunday night. Never heard that before. Be honest, I hadn't heard it since. But she shouted. She shouted. She was so excited during a worship service. When was the last time you said hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus? How's your enthusiasm with the things of God? How's that enthusiasm? I found something I want to share with you. Listen to this. 
The cluster of preachers gathered outside the convention hall in agreement. Yes, shouting has become out of place in most modern church services. But they paused in respect as an elderly pastor in their midst began to reminisce with a faraway look in his eye. He said, I still can remember the last time I shouted. He said quietly, I remember it well. It was a glorious occasion. A wave of mighty power seemed to move through the crowd. In an instant, I found myself standing and violently waving my hands in the air, and my legs grew weak. My voice was hoarse, and again and again, exalt words burst from my lips. All around me, others were joining in that same frenzied spirit. And the old gentleman's eyes fastened on the faces of those around him as he continued. And some of you, some of you may think I was a fool. Maybe you're calling me old-fashioned or even a fanatic. If so, it's because you don't realize the significance of what I just witnessed. Indeed, it was worth shouting about. For you see, in a whisper, my team won the national championship. Hmm. thought I'd at least get a chuckle out of that. Can you imagine? Someone losing it all over a football game? Hmm. When are you lukewarm in your enthusiasm? Jesus said, and you're not in the things of God? And you're not in the things of, of Christ? I mean, when you can exert all kinds of energy and enthusiasm of all things the mind can imagine except God and His church and Christ and His work, Jesus, God says, that just makes me sick. Christianity, listen. Christianity, when the Spirit of God is in you, that's fire in your bones. When God is in you, Christianity is God in your soul. That's why Jeremiah said, listen to this, Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore. Jeremiah is talking about refusing to preach. He said, I'll not make mention of him nor speak, speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back. Wow. Go Jeremiah, excited about the Word of God. And so, a lukewarm church is indifferent in its enthusiasm. But then, a lukewarm church, Laodicean church, a church at the end, when the Lord comes, is lukewarm. They're a, they're a self-deceived church. Self-deceived. Go back, if you will, to verse 17, and we're almost finished. Verse 17, chapter 3. Because you say, I'm rich, and you've become wealthy, and you've need of nothing, and you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? The Lord said, repent. They said, I'm rich. The Lord said, you're poor. They said, we're increased with goods. The Lord said, you're wretched and you're miserable. And they said, we have need of nothing. 
And so the more, listen, here's the point, the more a lukewarm a church is, the more it is self-satisfied and self-centered. This morning, when God cries to your spirit to repent, to repent, to repent, and you say, repent? Repent? I mean, what have I to repent of? Me? God says, you're self-deceived. You're self-centered. Because you're blind and you're wretched and you're poor and you're miserable and you don't even know it. And you make me sick. So the Laodicean church, self-deceived, and I'll close with this. This Laodicean church, this church at the end of the age, and it's coming up pretty soon, closer than ever before. This church at the end, when the Lord comes back, look at verse 20. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. You hear that? The Lord is at the door knocking. Now get this. A lukewarm church has the Lord on the outside trying to get in and not on the inside trying to be out. He's knocking at the door. The Lord's on the outside, not on the inside. You remember those pictures years and years ago? My grandmother had one in her house, and Jesus is standing at the door knocking, and people say, oh, it's him knocking at his heart. Now, this is not Jesus. It's not him talking about knocking at someone's heart. This is him knocking at the church's door, trying to get in. Here's the situation. The Lord's been on a long journey to receive a kingdom for himself. He's coming back. And when he comes back, is the door of the church open to him? No, it's not open. Are they watching for him? Are they waiting for him? No, they're going about their good business. They're ready for Monday morning. They're ready to get out of here. They're ready to get in line at the cafeteria. Although God may be coming back about 2 o'clock or 1230 or somewhere along in there. Are they seeking and expecting him? No, they're not seeking and expecting him. Have they forgot him? Yes, they have forgotten him. They're not watching, they're not praying, they're not doing anything except finding a great satisfaction in themselves and what they have. Rich, increased with goods. I don't need God. I don't need man. I have it all. That's what America says. And the Lord's on the outside, not on the inside. The first time he came, remember, born in Bethlehem, grew up, started his ministry, 30 years old, three years ministry, and the Bible says the Lord came unto his own, and his own received him not. And the second time that he comes, trying to get into the church, second time, his own are not thinking about him, loving him, praying, repenting, and confessing. They're too busy with the things of the flesh and of the world. And verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice, anyone hears my voice, anyone in this Laodicean church, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. And so, 
Where's the Lord in your life this morning? Outside or inside? And when you were saved, you received the Holy Spirit. Have you grieved the Holy Spirit? You don't pay any attention to the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, directing you, guiding you? Where's the Lord in your life this morning? Do you even know him as Lord of your life? Do you know him as Lord? Do you know him as Savior? Jesus judged the Laodiceans, and now they know who they really are, and it calls for action on their part. Repent, he says. Do what you did at first. Vance Havener said this in regards to this passage. Great preacher, humorist. Smyrna was a rich, poor church. Laodicea was a poor, rich church. Let me say that again. Smyrna was a rich, poor church. Laodicea was a poor, rich church. They were blind, short-sighted. They had no vision of God, of their own hearts, of the world's needs. Havener says this, I'd rather be a rich, poor church than a poor, rich church. I'd rather be rich spiritually and poor in material things than rich in material things and poor spiritually. They were a poor, a rich, poor they were wealthy, and they didn't know they were poor. But he says, you're poor, you're wretched, you're blind, you don't even know it. And he says, these characteristics, I'd spew you out of my mouth. I'd vomit you. King James says, spew. New King James says, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. That's our word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come together this morning to worship you and now to open your word and for you to speak to us through your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray as a pastor of a church that this church, this congregation would never become, never become a lukewarm church. Lord, help us to be rich spiritually. Lord, you've provided for our needs. You've taken care of us over the years. For a hundred years, you've taken care of us. So help us to realize that our wealth is not in the riches of this world, but our wealth is in the spiritual things of God. Help us to be, help us to be poor but rich in the things of God. I pray for each person here. I lift them up to you. I pray that every person here has put their faith and trust in Jesus to be their Savior and not counting, depending on anything else. And today, for those who haven't, I pray they'll just step forward and say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved today. And Father, I'll have an opportunity at the end of this service to share with them, and they can pray and ask you to forgive them and come into their life and save them. I pray for the Christian today who has more of the world in, you, in them than they're allowing you to be in them. 
they're being filled more of the world than they're being filled of the Spirit. Speak to their hearts today that they might come in repentance and a recommitment, rededication to experience once again the joy of their salvation. Father, you're coming back one day for your church and later on you're coming back with your church. And so, Father, I pray that we'll be found faithful as you call us home to be with you one day. In the meantime, help us, Lord, to be what we're supposed to be as a congregation and as an individual believer in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you're going to do in this decision time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.